Welcome to the Change the World a Little podcast with honest conversations and gold nuggets on how to change our world for the better. Welcome to the Change the World a Little podcast. I'm here today with someone who's helped me personally in tremendous ways. Dr. Sujata is an Ayurvedic doctor and the co-founder of Amrita City. Dr. Sujata, thank you so much for taking the time for being here with me. Such an honor. Pleasure. Um, and I'll just tell you all a little bit about Sujata before we dive in. Sujata is the head physician and co-founder of Amrita City. She's a certified Ayurvedic doctor who completed her degree in Karnataka, India. And before coming to Bali in 2004, Sujata worked as an Ayurvedic doctor in one of the most respected and successful clinics in Kerala, South India. She's also practiced as an Ayurvedic consultant in Europe and at one of the top health retreats in Asia. Sujata is also a mother of two, and offers important advice for pre- and postnatal care, including appropriate medicines and treatments. Welcome, Sujata. Um, is there anything you would like to add in your own words around this introduction? <laughs> Capturing you. <laughs> I think you, you gave the essence of me. I think um, they, they will get to know me as you, as we go to talk here. Exactly. So. <laughs> Continue. Um, so for anybody who's listening, who's not too familiar with the concept of Ayurveda, how would you describe it in your own experience with your background? Um, what is Ayurveda? I know it's, it will be huge, but in, in a few words, and also how it is, is it different from modern Western medicine? Mm-hmm. Um, Ayurveda is it's just simple meaning, simple, simple explanation is it, it's a science of life, it's a knowledge about life, all that we need to know, uh, to know about life and how we sustain life, how keep ourselves healthy, well-being, you know, not only just us, you know, people we live with, in the nature, the other animals and the part of the whole biome. So the, the science of Ayurveda is it's, it's within us, it's just tuning into that and resonating with the nature and it all starts with observation, feeling, connection and then if we take care of ourselves, we are better able to take care of others. Mm-hmm. So this is the one of the primary things um, and also it's all about prevention. Um, and the difference, the main difference between um, uh, Western medical system or allopathic medical system and Ayurveda is Allopathy is about fixing a problem. So you have a problem, okay, go to the doctor and you fix it. But I read the tells, so let's try to prevent. Let's know yourself and see what we can do the best with what we do to take care of ourselves, to exist and live. And then once that fails for various reasons, and then it becomes a medical system to fix the problem. So we're not going to wait until there is a problem. So we want to enhance health, well-being, prevention. And then once it's not attained, um, you know, always things are not in our hand. You know, we, we fall off the wagon. And when that happens, it works as a medical system to find a solution to heal, understanding what's wrong inside, come, understanding body, mind, spirit concept, not just a symptomatic treatment. So when it becomes a symptom, it's already manifested into a disease, but we can catch it much before that. 
So that's the main difference between the Western medicine and the Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds sounds very holistic, like when you're saying, like considering the nature, considering the environment, like just looking at all the aspects. Thank you. So you mentioned disease, mm -hmm. um, and you touched on that already. So the definition of disease, how would you say? Disease, according to Ayurveda, is imbalance to the inner harmony of doshas, um, your mind, your spirit, um, your functioning of your sense organs. So the life force inside us, which constantly want to keep a balance through the functioning of the doshas. When that goes, the rhythm is broken, the energy doesn't flow well, you know, in a subtle body level. And then that manifests the disease in a gross body level. So if you could be upset in your mind and sad, that impacts your body and then it impairs the physiology of your organ. And what we experience emotion is nothing but the chemical message that runs through your body. And physically we experience through chemical exchange and that can come from our experience and emotions. And the same thing when we eat food, certain chemicals in the body may be not needed or in excess or be not thrown out from the body. And that reflects in the mind level in the different form of emotion too. So it's like a you know two-way traffic and we need to find a harmony within our body how this communication happens well, how this energies work harmoniously so that the organs and systems work well and contribute to health and well-being. Mm -hmm. mm, I love that that concept is almost a reflection of what you're saying you know, about us, the nature and the, and the mm -hmm. environment, but internally as well, like not separating the systems because I feel it's done quite a bit sometimes with like there's mental health and then there's physical health and there's like taking it apart. Mm -hmm. but Instead, saying it's a whole body and it's all absolutely nourishment need for your body, nourishment need for your mind, nourishment needed for your soul too. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, again, that's a huge question, but in terms of the origins of Ayurveda, mm -hmm. can you touch on that? A little mm -hmm. bit? Um, it's a very ancient science coming origin from Indian subcontinent, um, meant to be 5,000 years old. Um, the science developed from the Vedic period. The Veda means knowledge. This knowledge is pursued by observation, constant experiment, and then feeling that, realizing that, then able to reproduce in making it understand to others. That's how the whole science of Veda comes into. So it's like observed, you saw it, you experienced it, and you can duplicate it, and then passed on to people. So the science is passed on from generation to generation from long time in the Vedic period from the Atharva Veda period. So it's time tested. So we can't say Ayurveda is just limited to um, you know food or you can't say Ayurveda just limited to Indian subcontinent. So it can be applicable to all part of the globe. Um, and the science is understanding that uh, what we have inside exists outside and there is a continuous balancing and readjustment goes on and tuning into that and understanding and then taking care of ourselves, you know, it, it, um, the beauty of Ayurveda is it gives like an individual attention. We all are unique in our own way. We have certain strength and we have certain weaknesses. So understanding that and supporting that, that's the beginning of Ayurvedic understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that so deeply resonates with me and has all those years that I've been coming to see you, um, is that, that it feels like it's truly for the individual and, um, and keeps like the person in mind and the other thing is um how it doesn't have to be exactly tied to india like that, that it's possible to weave it into other 
ways of eating, other other traditions. And Absolutely. Because our body, how it functions, and we all are made of atoms and the same energy runs, same breath we all take, right? So it just understanding that, you know, understanding can be done in many different ways. You know, different languages have different way of understanding the culture. So it just, if we get the fundamentals of Ayurveda, understand how your body works, how your mind works, what are these energies of what we call Vata Pitta Kapha can be applied to any part and any local food lifestyle habit. Yeah. yeah. And we'll go a little bit um, more into the, um, the terms of Ayurveda in a moment. Um, but yeah, just, just a little personal weave in here because I came to Sujata about 10 years ago, I think. Um, and as quite a few of you know, I've, I've dealt with eating disorders and um, an interesting relationship to food. So going to see Sujata, there were all these ideas of, oh my God, she's going to make me eat rice and she's going to know all I can eat is so dull and those things. And and, um, and I loved how how open you were. You were like, okay, you're a raw foodist. All right, let's work with that. And um, since since then, like I know that for me personally, cooked food is more nourishing. It's just what works for my body, but it took me quite some time. And Sujata has been amazingly patient with me. Um, but so I was able to, to weave it in. She was like, no problem at all. We'll work around that. And you gave me different yoga practices, different teas, different other things that I could sprout and add into my diet and still, still have amazing results. So um, yeah, I love the, the adaptability of it as well. Um, so if somebody is more new to Ayurveda, mm -hmm. what would be some basics that you would say they could incorporate into their lives? Um, the simple few things I always recommend, there are four or five things that we could be mindful and that practice. Um, one, connecting to your body's rhythm and the time and the clock, like, you know, waking up time, going to bedtime. Um, if you see in the nature, there's a cycle happens. And um, I understand in different parts of the world, the sunrise and sunset varies in some part of the world, they don't see sun much. Um, we can make some ad um, adaptation related to that. But if we could wake up when the sun comes and not to go to bed late, much later after the sunset happens. And, uh, you know, the general rule is wherever you are, before midnight or 11 o'clock, you go to bed. Because um, even scientifically, it's proven that um, if you sleep around 10, 30, 11, you know, that time is needed for the body to repair, reduce inflammation, put things in order, whatever we use through our sense organs. So the storing, re-establishment, reorganization is necessary and our body can rest well. The sleep you get between, you know, 10, 30 to 2 o'clock is the most qualitative sleep, the restorative sleep, you know, rejuvenation sleep, um, which helps to reduce the degeneration process in our body if that you could follow and wake up in the morning not going through your handphone or your computer just being with yourself um, drinking a cup of warm tea and doing some exercises by yourself and 10-15 minutes of meditation and then because you give a, a good insulation and you connect with yourself what's the point in if you can't connect and know and uh, be with yourself how can we be with anybody else so if we could do that one and then jump into the nature and jump into the world to whatever the karma that you need to do, both physical, mental, emotional, you have much more stability. And then other point I very much like to stress here is 
um, you know, pay attention to what you eat. I understand now there's so many varieties of health food restaurant that and this, but you don't know the quotation of health. What is healthy for you may be different than what's health is portrayed to you. So, you know, Ayurveda is not about just eating cooked food or, you know, eating this particular way. It's about feeding, giving you the nutrition that you, that's right for you in the, depending on the weather, then the place where you're in, you know, raw food is also beneficial for you, but you need to see when and what situation. So eat when you're hungry, try to make at least one meal a day by yourself um, and, um, you know, uh, check whether you can digest the food that you're giving to yourself. Um, and then have some downtime, take a break. And once your body and mind is rested, very efficiently you can get things done more than when you're juggling and chasing things. So these would be the like three, four tips that I would give. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you. Going with the rhythms, yeah, going to sleep if possible before 10.30, connecting with the self and paying to attention. Of course, here and there, we could, you know, make an exception. Of you know, course, there's always yeah. an 80-20 rule. <laughs> no, but in general, I, I notice that for sure. If I if there's extended periods of time that I go to bed late, mm -hmm. it wobbles mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so let's speak a little bit about Amrita City, the retreat center you co-founded. Mm -hmm. um, what are you all doing here and what does it stand for? And also, what is, what is the name Amrita? Mm -hmm. um, Amrita means nectar of life that keeps you healthy, alive, vibrant and full of uh, chi. Um, Siddhi means mastering. So our aim is to um, help people to find a balance and find their own happiness by being physically and mentally happy. So um, it's not only just when you come here for the retreat, you know, we help you to feel better, but our aim is also teach you. So we offer cooking classes, Ayurvedic workshops to understand the concept of it. Uh, we do work with people's emotions through different therapies and stuff. Um, here is a chance for you to be connect to yourself. Um, so through Amrita Siddhi, mastering this nectar of life so that you have the source within yourself and then you can use um, wherever, however you want and finding that inner peace and able to get back when we kind of get distracted and get affected by the life around us. Um, Amrita Siddhi came into um, existence in um, 2007. Um, where we, we initially came to Bali uh, to work and set up a retreat center, Komashambala Estate. Um, so we worked for them for two years. So for me, um, that place was not enough to express what I wanted to do. It was not able, I was not able to live my passion fully, so it's limited. Um, and so we quit the job, me and my husband. And we started a very little small clinic in the same village where the, the bigger clinic exists now. Uh, that clinic was in a uh, one um, two bedroomed house and it was just me and my husband. We started, did everything. I was a therapist, cleaner, <laughs> consult medicine, bookkeeper, receptionist, everything. That's when you came, right? <laughs> So it started like that and um, and uh, we've been lucky and, uh, you know, things worked very well and uh, people were able to see the benefits of it and respect that. And we grew and in 2012, um, we moved into a new place that's um, what's existing now. And that also gradually built in two, two stages. So now we have a complete center where we can accommodate 20-25 um, people. Amazing, beautiful journey, so needed. Um, 
So having done this for quite some time mm -hmm. now, what would you say um, people need most nowadays? What do you see of the people coming here? Mm -hmm. um, people definitely need to take uh, time to, you know, breathe, um, time to stay still, um, time to be mindful, time to know that help is always there um, and, um, and always they can dream bigger and letting go of the past experiences and painful traumas and stuff. Um, and it's possible, it's not easy, but trusting in them, trusting in the nature, trusting that there is someone to help you. And understand you and um, having that little spark inside you and uh, uh, dreaming I think it will take you to the help that you will receive and work over your problem with uh, trusting people or well-being or abundance all those things are possible just we need to take a step and just believe because there's nothing wrong in believing in and you're not going to lose anything when you believe in something better than what you already have so give a give a shot to that mm -hmm. yeah um, just to to um, give some side notes, I just finished one week um, here at the center, which was so rejuvenating and so needed to be offline and to go through the whole program. And um, it was such a joy. Like I, the, the words were, I felt so mothered in, in the sinking into the treatments and, and and the slowness of it the food and everything um so just so people who have never received an ayurvedic treatment have never been to a retreat center can you give us a bit of an idea of what a regular day in a panchakarma would look like or, or what the the panchakarma itself mm -hmm. is um, Panchakarma is the, the, the main treatment protocol we use when a body is manifested with a disease or you want to make some really deep inner change, transform yourself and letting go of your past and your patterns and behavior. So it can be done as a prevention, it can be done as a cure for a disease too. So basically with Panchakarma, removing all the inflammatory factors, you can say toxicity or malfunctioning of the body or accumulated of accumulation of mucus, anything that hindering the fine balance that your body needs to function to bring to optimal health. So we give a body rest and, you know, we nurture through different body treatments to relax your nervous system. When we're not relaxed, we can't let go, right? So um, stressed is a thing to holding on to drink and cringing. So we want to relax. That's why we do lots of gentle, nice, warm oil massages, shirodara, um, hot poultice treatments and stuff. And once you're kind of relaxed and calm down, then we also do internal oleation, particularly when we're doing a, a big cleanse-based panchakarma, uh, that to lubricate inside and work on the uh, toxicity or inflammation which is deposited deep down in your cells and in your fat tissue. And once the initial stage is that softening, relaxing movement is done, and then we kind of um, uh, give medicine depending on different doshas, um, either for kapha, you know, it's the closest areas, your oral cavity from the chest, the mucus. So we induce a medicated vomiting. So you, you vomit out the mucus and the toxins. And for pitta, we target to the midsection of your body, small intestine. So we give medicines which makes you go to the toilet several times, bringing out the pitta-related uh, toxins or uh, impurities and then finally work with enemas to treat vata because that's the most naughty dosha in our body and it's easy to get upset 
due to the current lifestyle and how people live, you know, chasing and busy and no time to eat. So it's like a rush. And when that rush happens, the vata naturally increases. And uh, the main side of the vata is your large intestine. So we want to treat its original seat um, so that the vata is much more stable and calm down and not causing trouble in different part of the body. So this is a method of purification along with that if you're doing for the um, different ways so this is for to do all these things you need to have a really strong mind and body right it's not like a eating a piece of cake on the side of the pool and drinking a mocktail or a cocktail so you need commitment you need your mental strength and physical strength and of course um, the whole team will support you and um, take you through the process and make you comfortable as possible um, there are another ways like it's not always the imbalance is to remove something out of the body there's something sometimes you need to give nourishment and care so we do a process called rejuvenation so if you come with trauma and burnout and totally stressed and your body not holding any prana the chi and the juice you're depleted there's nothing i need to remove from you i need to nurture you so there's a different protocol of you know food and nutrition supplements minerals um, you know calming soothing yoga meditation practices and uh, counseling all those things and uh, all rejuvenation this oil pouring treatment we call the king's treatment spiritual um, so that's like it really feels like embedded with love and being in your mother's womb so we do all these treatments so um, everything starts with the initial consultation with one of the physicians so we're going to assess your body your doshas your imbalances understand your mental state and emotions and then we do a, a prescription for you of the treatment diet lifestyle all these things yeah it resonates deeply like with the with the vata the rushing that you're saying but also that that understanding that sometimes it's not what we need is to cut out something is actually to just stop and rest and nurture mm -hmm. um which i think you know in the current societies where there is just a lot of rushing a lot of um you know I, what i've noticed is a lot of people seem to be really strict with themselves including myself and so there's always oh i need to cut this out and i need to be better at this and more at this and and how sometimes it's actually like you know just lie there and and be and, and be mothered and nurtured yes think of this example you know when you buy a car you take it for servicing right mm -hmm. servicing means you leave the car in a garage and let it repair right um but we don't do it to our body body is a vehicle and through this we achieve everything and experience everything we want to since we are born but also people take think of a concept of okay holiday is i'm taking a break but that's an another story. <laughs> For some people, holiday means just book a nice hotel, stay in the retreat, eat as much as possible, drink as much as possible. But even some people, it would be just going to a place and exploring everything possible. Make the list. You know, you're still not really giving a break and rest to the body to recover. So if you take a car to service, so that means, and if you have a car which is like a high performance, like, you know, speed and uh, turbocharged and, um, you know, uh, a expensive supercar, you know, you need special quality of brake and more service and all those things. So if you want to be in a high performing person and high achiever, 
you know, feel free, support that, support the passion, but give enough rest and recuperation, you will be able to achieve more. And, and Panchakarma or doing any retreat or rejuvenation is equal to servicing your body. So you just have to bring it and give stillness and nurture and take, go inward, you know, let go, delete things that you don't need anymore in your life and know into reprogramming. So this is the process of Panchakarma or any other program that we do at um, Amrita Siddhi. Wonderful, thank you. I'd love to touch a little bit on the doshas because I know they're a pretty important um, component. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, like, um, you know, not everybody is able to fly to Bali right now and book themselves into retreat centers, mm -hmm. um, beautiful as that is. So what will be some things that people could do at home at the moment, mm -hmm. especially right now, a lot mm -hmm. of people literally cannot leave mm -hmm. their homes. So um, you mentioned, you know, what can I take out? How can I slow down? Mm -hmm. but also, if there's any ways, um, and we will get to the doshas if they can also figure out what what theirs mm -hmm. is. But even regardless, if there's anything to do, like a bit of a reset. Mm -hmm. Um, reset program if, if you're not seen an Ayurvedic doctor or did not do any dosha analysis um, you know you know dosha speak to yourself so you know what feels right what feel what feels sing so you know without having to explain anything you can feel good and great and you know feel connected so um, we'll talk more about that but at home wherever you are um, I would say, um, you know, the routine of what I said to going to bed at certain time and waking up at certain time. And if you could spend like a 40 minutes of your morning doing something for yourself, you know, could be 20 minutes of sun salutation or going for a walk in a park or a beach or wherever you can and 10 minutes of meditation and writing a journal that what do you want to manifest for the day? If you could just do that mindfulness and, you know, you may not achieve everything you wrote on the diary on the first day, but if you daily do and the amount that you're going to achieve in a very mindful way is much bigger. And then, you know, put an attention to cook a meal for yourself at least five days a week. And also you could do is like, a, you know, um, we call this self-love treatment, which is like a massage in your body, like how you apply body lotion. You can take some, you know, sesame oil or coconut oil or almond oil and put some essential oil that you love. And you just massage your body, you know, touching your hands and, you know, all the part of your body, like, you know, give it a little a touch and rub and feel and give extra attention to where it feels achy. And you spend the 10 minutes in massaging yourself and then take a bath or a wash and then, and then you know, 10 minutes of take a mindful breathing or sitting there and listening to music. And that really recharges you. We could do this on a regular basis. It's the best way to take care of the vata, which naturally, you know, creeps into your nervous system through your skin, being outside with the rush world or the noise or the pollution. So these simple things can take you a long way. And especially right now, you know, with an increased amount of anxiety in, in the field to to bring that extra nurturing in. It's really powerful how the self massage, like what it does. Mm -hmm. Person's like, what, me massaging myself? Really, like how relaxing can that be? But it really does have that, that extra. Yeah, it insulates you. Yeah, mm -hmm. it really does. Um, so yeah, since I know physical touch right now is also not that accessible mm -hmm. for a lot of people, mm -hmm. that's a wonderful recommendation. 
So let's speak about the doshas a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, doshas are the energy that responsible for different physiology in body. And these energies of three types, uh, wind kind of energy, fire kind of energy, and the earth and water energy. So if you look at the wind, when you look, see the wind in the nature, the, the wind is more tangible to us through movements. You know, if you see a plant or a tree or leaves blowing, and then, you know, okay, the presence of the wind is much more um, uh, real, real for us. So that means wind is energy, creates different movements, brings also a nature of uh, dryness, quickness, also causes um, instability when it is excess. So wind never, you can predict which direction it's blowing. So this carries different physiology in the body and more directly related to our nervous system, where the fire is related to transformation. So different physiology carried in your tissue of metabolism, energy release, enzymes, hormones, the warmth in the blood, the temperature, all those functions are carried by energy called pitta. Kapha is related to stability and groundedness, your physical build, the muscles, the fat tissue, which gives sturdiness and structure and keeps everything in compact and gives the shape. And the mucous membrane, the, the fluid in your joints, the lymph, all those things are the energy of the Kapha. So these three energies need to function harmoniously to carry this life process. And um, individuals vary with a different amount of these energies there. So you can see some people all have lots of wind energy. That means you can see they're very quick, want things very fast and, you know, multitasking. But their attention span is changeable. Their ideas are changing. Their desires change. Their faiths change because of this irregularity in them. And the same with the fire people. You can see their body is very warm and intensity, uh, strong, ground, uh, commanding and controlling tendencies and want to be, everything need to be structured and organized. These things is a natural tendency comes from the pitta. There's all, there, it's also a strength, but you want to see where it becomes destructive to yourself. So all this energy, you know, when we have an electric cable, different energy, different amount of energy run through the cable. But you want to see if, if the cable is too thin, the energy is stronger, the cable is going to destroy it. So you need to understand what's your perfect balance of that energy, how much you can sustain and be happy, content and pleasant. And if it goes beyond that, becomes uh, anxious, agitated in vata and angry, irritable, judgmental and not content in pitta. And the same thing with kapha. The kapha, when it's healthy state, as I described kapha as giving structure, stability, moisture, nourishment. But when it is excess, it can look as obesity, too lazy, lethargic, depression, no motivation, you know, um, damp and uh, poor circulation. So when that happens, that means it's too, in, too much of that energy. But in a healthy state, it can look like very gr grounded, calm, peaceful, happy-go-lucky, very nurturing, caring, you know, that energy we all love to have. So it's just knowing this energy. They, we all have all these three doshas, the energy, because they carry the complete physiology in us. But knowing what's more and or when it is too little, it creates impairment in your physiology, both in the mind and the body level. And then you want to readjust that through your food, through your diet, because food also carries these energies. Um, your surrounding carries this energy. Your seasons carry this energy. For example, summer is a lot of heat. It affects your pitta. And uh, fall with lots of windy and rain, it affects your vata or the cold winter affects your kapha. So seasons affect, um, your food affects, the lifestyle you live affect, um, people you spend time with, all these things affect. So there's always a 
interaction with many things which goes resonates with your body so once you know your body then you know what you're interacting with so we have to come back to mindfulness right and then we can tune and get the fine tuning that your body is going to work it's like a radio tuning of course it's a bit of a work when you're not used to knowing yourself and understanding but once you put a lot of attention and a lot of things get resolved on its own so when when you say somebody's constitution let's say is well we can take mine right yeah the vata mm -hmm. pizza. Mm -hmm. so um that means there, there naturally is more vata and then there's a tendency that it could go overboard yes. more easily because yeah. there's already... Like attracts like. Right. Right? So we have a tendency to be doing multiple tasks. We want everything to be quick. and uh, But if you're not aware that it's going to go beyond more than what I can have and it's going to cause abnormality or trouble, then we keep doing it mm -hmm. until we kind of collapse and we can't do it anymore. Right? right? It's a powerful way of saying, like, you know, how your, your strength can be your weaknesses mm -hmm. and your weakness is your strength. Like yeah. If it is your, your makeup of who you are, you also watch out if it gets... Yeah, it's just checking the point where it's going to tip on the other side and make it, make it uh, difficult for you. Wonderful. Um, if people would want to find out their constitution, what would be the easiest way mm -hmm. to do that? Um, there are a few questionnaires available online. If you look into some Deepak Chopra's website or Robert Soboda's website, there are questionnaires you can get. And when you answer these questions, you know, it can be a bit confusing. You need to understand what's my uh, real constitution is, which is something tendency that from birth that I've been into and what you're feeling now. So if they both are different, then you need to be mindful of that. Um, so what you may be feeling now is a state of imbalance, which is not the tendency that you used to be. So you need to be mindful of that. And, you know, some people it can be really clear cut and you can figure out if you have challenging, you get confused. It's better to seek a Ayurvedic practitioner or Ayurvedic doctors. Um, and then they can give you a thorough and understanding of your constitution. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense if something is like really out of balance, but it's actually yeah. who you mm -hmm. are that might overcome mm -hmm. the questionnaire. Okay. Um, well, we'll um, leave all of Sujata's information at the bottom as well and on the website, so it'll be easy to find Sujata. And um, later we'll chat a little bit about it. they wanted to get in touch with you also, what, what the offerings are. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's get a little bit more personal. Um, and um, Feeling into the year that we're just coming out of 2020. Um, it's a quite delicate time still on the mm -hmm. globe. Um, were you here in Bali? Yeah, I was throughout the time here. I didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, what would be some of the biggest takeaways for you personally coming up? No, what I realized with this is um, like we always say, oh, it's not possible. I cannot leave this thing and do something right like at work even for myself i would think okay you know I, I, i've always been good at taking break and you know traveling so i always made sure i take on at least three months break from my work you know kind of over the year worked and figured out the way how i can do so i'm a bit detached in that way but on a day-to-day -day basis i always felt oh uh, if i say no to this client or if i don't do this i can't do it i can't take afternoon break or uh, work five days a week you know this was 
always a thing. You see, you think you can't do it because, but when things like this happens, everything is possible, right? So, so it just gave me understanding that if I want to do something, nothing is going to affect. Life still goes on. Everything is replaceable, and you know you can. You just have to adjust for some changes. So you know we can always take a break. And I think the nature just taught us that you know what you assume and what you think and what you control is not the truth. There's much more. So be mindful and um, you know spend time with. I think due to the um, so much of uh, information everywhere available, people got stuck to this little piece of electronic, right? So. Family, personal things, spending downtime, being in the nature is being automatically removed, and because we all are got addicted to. So even though the situation made us go more online, but we're left with more time with our children. Like for example, my kids go to used to go to school. I goes to work. Evening is the only time in the weekend. But now I get to see my children more with me. And I used to think my son, who is 16, I thought, okay, two more years, he's going to, you know, finish school. If I recall my memory of the amount of time I spent and I can cherish, it's not much. And then in two years, he's going to, you know, leave us and go to university or somewhere and, you know, get going with his life. But it made felt good that, you know, I can spend more time and I can recall that and cherish that. And gave me also a time to do more studies and give some time to enrich and knowledge myself rather than just, you know, practicing and practicing. And you learn through that, but I wanted to learn a few other skills and stuff. So it gave me a lot of um, time to do things that I kept thinking, okay, when I have time, I'll do it. So it gave me time so I could do a lot of stuff that um, I wanted to do. Of course, I miss traveling, which I love a lot. The traveling part did not happen, but um, other things I could do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, spinning it that way around of like things we never could have imagined to happen actually happening, which I know some you know, weren't great, but then really seeing it, it that way like, mm-hmm. you know who would have thought mm-hmm. the whole world can stop yeah, like this the world can stop <laughs> and air travel can stop yeah exactly air travel can yeah, stop nobody would have known everybody thought how yeah. is that possible how much yeah. money and work is going to be affected exactly. you know business is going to be in trouble yeah. and they are mm-hmm. and it's still it, you know it happens um, so yeah looking at what what are the things that I thought in my own life are impossible and, and see what the steps are. Yeah, that, that deeply resonates. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like in your case, you wanted to come and do the program for so long time, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. It Every just took the COVID. Year. Many people, I like many people that I know in Bali who yeah. are expatriates and I know I know them as a client and, yeah. you know, they always have no time, no time. And if they have time, they want to travel. But I think it made lots of connection for me in Bali, like to yeah. people that I know them and I was able to connect much more deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, it became this joke on, on my calendar every year. It's like, I'm going to do this work. I got a deposit last year. Oh, yeah. Like, and <laughs> so yeah, it finally happened. It's so true. And that's one example, but studies, same thing, you know, to be like, to kind of take inventory of, of my life and be like, what are the things that resonate and what are the things that don't? And and same thing, the thing that stands out is being with loved ones, being with nature, being with passion, like the interests. Of, yeah. um, 
So still speaking about what is going on with the pandemic, um, what do you think is most needed in the world with the current happenings? Um, more trust in oneself, you know. Um, I don't think this is new that we have any infection. I think, in my opinion, um, you know, if I offend anybody or have something wrongly mentioned, my apologies. I think um, infections and diseases happened before too, but I think it got spiked up because of the, all the social media and news and spreading, you know, everywhere, the interconnection we have got. Um, and um, in my opinion, it's nothing to be, you know, people who are sick, their immunity is not good. Yes, it can affect you badly and you have consequences. But average people who are healthy and immune system is good. I don't think we need to be worried about it. And you, even if you get infection and get sick, I think your body can take. So instead of pushing away the virus or hiding from it, work on yourself what you could do to keep your body healthy because your body is so obedient it's made to protect yourself made to keep yourself alive you know make make the adjustment you know um, tolerate the abuse that we do to our body so that means it's very obedient it's very loyal to us and i just need to connect with and you know nurture that um and you know death happens and um, there's many different ways you know we all can die um, but I don't think um, Corona is such a monster that we really need to wait for the vaccine to, you know, feel safe again. To I think if we could take care of our body and work on our immunity, uh, mindfulness, health, meditation, you know, love and connection and uh, reduce thinking that I'm different, you know, I'm yes, I am different than you, but I'm not like you or if the ego stands up too much to separate, I think if we could let down that one, and um, love and support each other and um, you know go live your passion and allow other to live their passion too and if i think if we could do that i think um, we can all get back to our life that we want to mm -hmm. right yeah really acknowledging like the prevention aspect and also the the amazing vehicle that our body is mm -hmm. like when we especially when we take good care of it mm -hmm. um I'd love to get a little of a peek into your own practices. Like mm -hmm. you are such a radiant person. It's like I can tell that that the whole practice, the science of life force, like there is something to it because you over these years and I've seen you, there's just a life force in you that is that is really noticeable. So what are some of your own practices that you do? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very careful about um, eating food. I mean, I love food. I love cooking. So plants and food and um, I've always been a curious person. Um, there's nothing I would say that I don't like to eat or will not try. So, you know, from all part of the world, wherever I would travel, I would carry their spices and their recipes and ethnic things and I would try. So um, food has never been a challenge for me in a sense, oh, I don't have time to cook or I can't eat. So for me, eating when I'm hungry is the rule number one. I would uh, very rarely something extreme need to happen and then I would uh, skip a meal. Um, so I would always eat when I'm hungry and mindful of, um, you know, the amount of the food I eat, type of the food I choose. You know, it's not like I'm really rigid, but I'm, I'm mindful. Um, you know, I've tried to follow the 80-20 or 70-30 rule. <laughs> 
um, and um, sleep time, wake up time is very um, important for me too. Um, I like to go to bed before 11 or 10.30 and then wake up early and I fall in a little routine of morning yoga practice, meditation, you know, writing a journal and mindful. So um, it's not, you know, every day there I can improve, you know, I'm not in my optimum yet. So there could be a bit more productivity and attention brought into that. And um, and also another thing I make a priority that what I preach or educate or tell to people, I want to experience that. Um, I believe that if I can't do that means it doesn't carry the value to the person. So um, I try as much as to follow those principles and apply to myself. And and um, Ayurveda is part of life for me. And I'm, I'm very grateful and blessed that um, I... I'm able to use, make Ayurveda as my profession, which is my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm lucky in that way. So it, it um, works naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have talked about that in the beginning. It just uh, you just sparked my curious mm-hmm. curiosity. How how did you how did you start? Like what what was it for you? Uh-huh. Um, grow, I grew up in India. Um, I only left India when I was 24. Um, so for me, it was very clear um, that I want to study medicine. So biology was my favorite subject. So I was always in the, in the front when it came to the biology class and plants and animals and all those things. And I was good naturally. It came to me, um, and I wanted to study medicine. So it was Ayurveda was not my first choice or thinking. Um, I also did not know much about Ayurveda. I don't have a family background of any Ayurvedic doctors and stuff. So I applied for a scholarship to write the allopathic medicine, um, and um, I did not get the the scholarship. So I was very sad. Um, I think it's very expensive in India if you have to go to a private university and uh, um, study medicine. So my family did not have that fund capacity to get send me to a private medical school. So um, I, my dad's good friend, he said, you know, why don't she apply for a scholarship to become an Ayurvedic doctor? So I thought, okay, next um, best option that I have got. So I wrote an exam and I got the scholarship. So that's how I ended up, you know, studying Ayurvedic medicine rather than the Western medicine. But it's also, um, I'm happy and grateful that I fell into it like a nature guided me. But also the thing, when you study Ayurvedic medicine in the university, like it's a full medical course, it takes six and a half years, uh, full time, five, six days a week, nine to five, right? So um, the, the benefit of was that I, we had to study both Western medical system um, and the Ayurveda side to side for the, the first three, three years. Mm-hmm. So that means we had to do the same cadaveric, you know, anatomy dissections and, you know, do the, the lab tests, blah, blah, blah. But only thing we didn't study is the pharmacology. So pharmacology, we have an Ayurvedic pharmacology, the herb plant-based preparation, understanding the, the components of the medical ingredients and all those things. So, so I got a good understanding of the Western way of understanding the body and, you know, the concept, the language they use and all those things. But I got an understanding of approaching the body through an Ayurvedic holistic way too. So it, it, it's beautiful. And also um, when you come out of the university, you know, the Ayurveda is an experiential and experimental science. You have the 
theory of it but when you apply because everybody is different it's not the same um, I'm grateful that uh, um, I had a good mentor you know the the Ayurvedic reputed hospital that I worked called the Pundotam Ayurveda Ashram in Palakkad and with Dr. Ravi who was my mentor so I was one of the few lucky students back then so after I finished my graduation I went and did a year of internship with him and then he asked me to stay and work together with him so I spent another year and then I met my husband so um, he's European so um, then I was able to travel to Europe and experience and experiment the culture and apply Ayurveda there and you know have my own challenges on you know western body and the way of thinking the food it's very new right so I'm grateful you know being in the European world I was able to understand how to adapt the Ayurvedic science to the culture and not go so abrupt and say okay you do this because this is wrong so you need to reach the person where they are at and make them understand and then bring the changes so it's all about um, you know resonating and working together when it comes to the Ayurvedic medicine so yeah that's how I ended up um, becoming an Ayurvedic doctor mm. <laughs> <laughs> thank god for us that you did get that first scholarship um, thank you so much um, we had a couple questions come in from the community mm -hmm. um, the first one, I could imagine that you would need to know more, but mm -hmm. maybe there are some general things mm -hmm. you would recommend. Um, she's asking, how can I treat teenage acne for my son? We've tried everything and nothing works. Mm -hmm. um, okay, teenage acne, because according to Ayurveda, it's a time of the pitta. Um, from the teenage times, you know, when the puberty starts, you know, the body changes from the kapha. The child is a kapha belt, so that's why kids are sweet right and they're juicy and you know they're little chubby and sparkly juicy eyes and you know lips and they're very moist and sweet but hitting the puberty means it transforms no matter what your constitution is pitta is going to be it's a, it's a transformation process you know your body changes you become more stronger or confident it's, it's a fire and that's also the time for us to guide our, our energy into who we want to transform to um, hence pitta time Pitta increases, acidity builds up in your body naturally, hormones influences also. So it's going to create some turbulence in your blood and in your liver. And if your body is getting too acidic with this naturally happening, and then your diet involves, say, too much of carbohydrates, simple sugar, white sugar, um, in, emotions also can affect. If you're going through emotions or connected to emotion in the house related to anger, frustration, irritability, bad diet combined with it, it's going to manifest in a very surface level I'm touching here. Um, you know, if you had taken any kind of medications in the past, like antibiotics, paracetamol frequently, it's going to show up during your puberty. Mm -hmm. um, it's because it's in the liver, liver is need to purify, so it's going to show some weaknesses which has happened in the body. So um, I would recommend here what you could do is like looking into a really good alkalizing diet and emotionally being okay with who you are. So, you know, I see um, acne is an issue becomes in teenagers or even in after teenage period is when you struggle with um, our identity, who I am, you know, who I am going to be seen as. If that can be resolved and find peace with that and changing the diet to more alkaline diet, vegetarian diet, you know, eating a little bit of good quality meat here and there and totally reducing sugar along with that little simple herbs like neem 
great beneficial easy to find in bali i think all over the world you can find neem um, and juice made from asparagus is very alkalizing uh, lots of parsley in your diet um, making um, juices with apples and carrots and beetroot um, eating when you're hungry and following the lifestyle that i just spoke about going to bed early waking up early and gentle exercises i think they can contribute a, a good deal and if it is a very cystic acne then you probably have to see a doctor ayurvedic doctor and get some like a proper ayurvedic medicine mm -hmm. along with uh, following what i just mentioned mm -hmm. thank you um, and we'll take one more from mm -hmm. Liliana. Mm -hmm. Does everyone need to do a panchakarma? And if not, how would I know that it is needed? Mm -hmm. um, no, not necessarily everyone need. It's not a need. Um, it's a, a um, choice or a necessary when you become diseased. So panchakarma is a cure for a diseased state. I treat uh, use panchakarma as a state when all the doshas are out of balance and disease has fully manifested, um, which can be from simple allergic diseases to cancer. So anything going from these two extreme ranges, I use when the doshas are totally in excess and I cannot just hush them to you know calm down so they're going to be turbulent. And panchakarma can be done as a, a prevention care if you kind of accumulated lots of stress and challenges in your life and you want to make some changes you want to learn something new you want to break your old patterns rediscover yourself it's a good thing to do when you are in that state and you want to change you want to switch over um, and you know because panchakarma is a transformative process too so you can use as something you want big make changes learn new things and rewire your brain and let go of some past emotions and start fresh Panchakrama is um, beneficial, so you don't need to be sick in that situation. Right. But when you're diseased, um, when you still have a good strength, then Panchakrama can be a medical cure. And if not a Panchakrama, uh, combination of different Ayurvedic treatments, medicine and diet in a, in a center like Amrita Siddhi or anywhere else, without having to go through the five cleansing process, you could cure a disease when you're weak, doing following some Ayurvedic treatments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, amazing. Oh, so much wisdom. Is there anything you would like to add? Yeah. Um, Needed people to hear. Mm, um, Ayurveda is not a, a religion. Um, it's not a cult. Um, it's a simple, a, a vast knowledge on health and well-being. And it's a sister science to yoga. Um, yoga and Ayurveda are like a two sides of the coin. Uh, Ayurveda comes first. If you're embarking into the path of yoga, you need to know Ayurveda because Ayurveda works with your body and yoga works with your spirituality and your spirit. You know, um, yoga also helps your health, but you need to have a healthy body, healthy physiology, and then you can work on the subtle body through yoga and to achieve all the things that yoga talks about. I'm talking here about the real, you know, the eight pillars of yoga, not just the asana part. Right? Not getting flexibility and not able to um, do all the exercises. The real sense of yoga, if you're looking into really you know, exploring the yoga with a spiritual background and spiritual attention behind it, you got to know Ayurveda. Because if your body is not healthy, you can't practice yoga very well. And also, I want to you know, give it just a general, you know, being in Bali for 17 years, you know, Bali is a mecca for yoga and many different modalities of health and healing. 
people sometimes think, okay, I had a stressful life. I'm going to take a month break and just put myself in a yoga retreat or a yoga teacher training program. Retreat may be a better choice, but when you, you know, coming out of the such a stress and stuff, because see, uh, you when you go into yoga teacher training program, you're learning all about yoga and you put your body into so much of stress and work. You're not resting and recovering. So don't think as a do teacher training is a solution for getting out of the stress and the challenge you had. So, you know, before you join into this teacher training programs, if you're coming from a busy schedule, take a break, you know, go somewhere into a, a, um, a retreat place where you will be massaged every day, you know, given nutrition based on, you know, understanding what's going on in your body, um, or do a simple, just a, you know, detox with some Ayurvedic treatments and stuff. So prepare your body, bring your body into a relaxed state, you know, get over the jet lag and sleep is good and cleansed and clean body and then jump into the yoga retreat or a yoga teacher training program. So if you want to get best out of what you're learning. Right. So it's like that, that doing almost addiction, you know, how we, we have like, oh, if I'm, if I'm so busy, like I take a break, but then the, the not being productive mm -hmm. in that sense mm -hmm. like, is, can be quite challenging. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when people are just in go, 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 go. So then we come up, I've definitely done that. You mm -hmm. know, like I'll take a break, mm -hmm. but I'll go and do a course or something that like, nurture some aspects mm -hmm. of me mm -hmm. but definitely not the body aspects mm -hmm. so mm, great advice um thank you so much oh what an honor um we're gonna put Sujata's website and Amrita City's website um at the bottom and you'll find it in different places so that's where you can read more about her um as well as the programs if you are interested in her coming to Bali um and doing those programs I'm just wondering from you Sujata um, if somebody wants to do anything virtually mm -hmm. would there be a way of, of do you do consultations yes yes them? yes you know it, it moved me also to my work to go online a little bit more um, so I do a Skype or Zoom consultations um, also we have designed the program that happens here the summit day one you did um, or the Panchakarma and Panchakarma I need to know people a little bit more and they need to understand the science because it's such a, a deep process and if you're not aware of it um, you know I've done to my uh, regular clients who come here so who have went through the process they know what to expect uh, so they I have guided them to do a home-based panchakarma at home by themselves um, and we have made this simple seven-day home-based you know cleanse and mindfulness program so we have a really detailed manual including the the recipes and shopping list and you know even for the instruction for yoga meditation and self-abhyanga and all those things so people can uh, purchase that if they're interested and apply and uh, put their feet into the ocean of Ayurveda. Mm, amazing <laughs> I didn't know about those programs mm -hmm. it's wonderful so good um did I see it right that there's a cooking class as well? Mm -hmm. Every Fridays we have cooking class and every Thursday we offer like a little Ayurvedic um, workshop 
like you know giving different topics we offer and anybody from outside welcome to come so it's also an education part for the people who are interested and also this program runs for people who are on the program here so that is here in bali yeah physically yeah yeah um is there anything online that you do around the- um we we are planning to do like a, a oh yes there is a course coming how can i forget that uh, on the 22nd of february i'm doing a um over the three week period ayurvedic basic principle course mm-hmm. and then on i think in the march 22nd i'm doing the ayurvedic um, nutrition um, course so it's like a three weeks each the course mm-hmm. Um, I think for and people, that's all online, right? That's all online. If they could look into, um, I don't think it's advertised anywhere in our website or anything. If they could look into um, Usada Bali website, um, that's where, like, you know, I have a little playground for experimenting food and nutrition. So it's yeah. a health food restaurant. So they are promoting this um, online workshop of me. Yeah, yeah. We'll put that up as well. Thank you so much, Sujan. You're welcome. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, bring out my knowledge or sharing what I know. And I always feel good if I if it could resonate with something, yeah. somebody, and um, of help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>